That ball you want to take? That there's a mistake. Callahan. Callahan's a poser. Yeah. And what do you know that every scout and coach on earth does not? I know we got sacked 12 times last year. No, it was 11. It was 11 times. Yeah, well, four were mine in one game. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I saw your highlight reel. I also remember that he beat you. Watch it again. Don't watch me. Watch him. Watch me sack him four times in one game, then watch what happens after. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to Buffalo Bills Draft Talk. My name is Steve Mathis. You can find me on Twitter at Judge Mathis, joined, as always, by Randy Hartman. You can find him on Twitter at Randy underscore Hardman 52. Uh, we had a nice little week off uh, from talking Buffalo Bills Draft, but we are back today, both on YouTube and on Twitter. Uh, this podcast will then be aired every Tuesday morning on the Air Raid Buffalo uh, podcast feed so you can find us on apple spotify etc by going to air raid buffalo football uh, and you can find this podcast as well as some others there so last yesterday in college football I'm not used to talking on sundays about this kind of stuff um baylor upset oklahoma that was the big game of the of the week in terms of hey there's another undefeated that gets knocked off it was about time oklahoma got knocked off they were just waiting to get knocked off. And then Kansas, Lance Leipold, former University of Buffalo coach, upends Sark and Texas. What were your thoughts on some of the games yesterday, including uh Baylor and Kansas? Uh well, the Baylor Kansas was a pretty uh was a pretty big one. Um Baylor, you know, upsetting uh, Oklahoma like that. I mean, these these undefeateds keep continue to fall. Um, I think what the only ones we got left are Georgia and Cincinnati, right? Yeah. Uh Georgia says, hey. Don't forget the UTSA Roadrunners, still undefeated. <laughs> and our man Taiwan Mullen, the cornerback, the six foot four, 215 pound track speed star cornerback for UTSA. So, how, my game, so we're my game of the weeks at the end of the show here today. How could I forget about UTSA? My apologies. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, it, was a, it was a big week this week. Um, not a whole lot of surprises like last week, but. Um, a couple of them. Old Miss came back against AM. Um, Wake Forest over NC State was a good one. Mississippi State had the biggest comeback in their program history over uh, Auburn and your boy Bo Nix. So a oh, couple Nick. big games. The uh, the OSU Purdue game was the was the big one for me because of the um, the matchup of the premier wide receivers. You know, you have Alave, <laughs> Garrett Wilson, and, and David Ball. And um, you know, ball came up a little bit short on this on this week. He only had eleven for one hundred and three. But oh Garrett my God, Wilson, what an awful day. Yeah, I know, terrible, <laughs> right? No touchdowns. But Garrett Wilson, oh my God, ten for one hundred and twenty-six and three touchdowns. Um, I know a lot of the talk this year was about Alave coming in. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Wilson's moving himself right up in there into that conversation. He might even pull a little Henry Ruggs uh, and go ahead yeah, of uh, his teammate. It's 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 pretty crazy too. Yeah, I I know most uh, grading, you know, most NFL scouting community grading scales, whether it's PFF or the Draft Network, etc. They all have Garrett Wilson above Chris Olave. Most mock drafts I see have Garrett Wilson going over Chris Olave, and it's weird because same thing happened at Alabama this year. We're going to talk about wide receivers a ton today. John mm-hmm. Mechie was the big dog coming in this year. He was supposed to fill that Devonte Smith role, be the big guy on campus, and he's still having a great season, but. Ohio State transfer Jamison Williams is the big 
play threat there at Alabama. So you see these number finger quotes, number two wide receivers at these big programs usurping what was the preseason favorite at their in their position group at their college. It's pretty crazy um, how some of that is is working out this year. But yeah, Garrett Wilson had himself absolute day. Uh, he will not be on the board when the Buffalo Bills pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you never know. He, you know, physically he's in more of that Stefan Diggs mold, mm-hmm. you know, at the, at the six foot 188, 190 range. Um, so it's not like he's an overly big prospect as far as, you yeah. know, his physical stature, but he's and, a hell of a player. And I'll tell you what, when we start digging into these wide receivers in my tier one, I have Olave, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London. Those are all like like Olave and Wilson. You mentioned that Stefan Diggs type of mold. Traylon Burks, Drake London, those are size guys. Mm-hmm. And then you look in the second group, Jahan Dodson, despite the fact that he's smaller and a big play guy, not a speedster. It's John Mechie and Jamison Williams, the two Alabama guys who are the only real speed threats. And John Mechie is not a big guy. He's a rather thin, rather frail type of receiver. I know he's bulked up a little bit this season. That's why the receiver that I, I, I want to keep an eye on and, and, and the receiver that we should all be keeping an eye on is Jamison Williams, the the big play threat. I think he's got like uh, 10 or I, all of his touchdowns have been from like 15 plus yards this season. He's got kick return flex, um, just a big play dynamic receiver down the football field with some decent size. So Jamison Williams is the one that I, I think most Bills fans are going to want to keep an eye on. And I think is the one who's going to rise the most as this pre-draft process moves into senior bowl and combine, et cetera. Absolutely. And just to give you an idea, you know, on early early mock drafts that we did uh, at the beginning of the season, or that I did at the beginning of the season, you know, he was available at the end of the at the end of the seventh, you know, sixth seventh round, like he was in that range. Yep. So you know, stock stock heading uh, in the right direction for for Jamison. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. You're right. Uh, come Senior Bowl and, and that whole part of the year. Mm-hmm. All right. So college football playoffs is going to be super interesting <laughs> this year. Right now, you got UGA. Bama, Oregon, and OSU are in. Cincinnati is the number one team on the outside. I think UGA, unless they slip up and lose two games, are guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff somewhere. They might meet Alabama in the SEC title game, but even if they lose, it's going to be their only loss of the season, most likely. They will get into the college football playoff. Oregon, if they win out in the Pac-12, they're likely in since they're in right now, uh, and they have that big win over Ohio State, but it's also Oregon. They could slip at any time and lose to anybody. Um, Bam, uh, OSU, they got Michigan State, Michigan, and then the Big Ten championship game. The Big Ten's about to get fucking wild. Yes, it's it about is. to get. It's about to get wild with OSU going up against, like I said, Michigan State this weekend. The Michigan the week after. I, I, it's going to be crazy to see how that sorts itself out. If UGA beats Bama in the SEC championship game. That could slide Cincinnati in and possibly Bama out. I don't know how you justify a two-loss Alabama team unless the Big Ten has a bunch of two-loss, all sort of settles into two losses, which I don't think is going to happen. And then Notre Dame is on the outside lurking. And so it's there's no, like, other than Georgia and Alabama, there's really no elite team in college football this year. I know Georgia is doing wicked stuff defensively, but I still don't buy their offense. Um, and I think that they could get tripped up in the college football playoffs because of their offense. But yeah, it's just a weird year in college football, isn't it? Well, you know what what you said is is true, and I, I really wish it wasn't because, in my opinion, if you're undefeated, you're undefeated. Cincinnati deserves a seat at the table. What about UTSA? What about UTSA? UTSA 
it's a little bit different. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I agree with you. You know, I, I just, I think back to, and this goes back a long ways. Remember the Auburn team with Jason Campbell that was undefeated mm-hmm. and somehow they weren't allowed in the, in the, you know, at the table. And I just, I, I hate the fact that you can have a team from, you know, a, a major conference, not that, you know, Cincinnati's conference is a power five, but it's still a major conference and they're undefeated and they're getting shit on like this, mm-hmm. you know, and I've said it before, they they hung with Georgia last year in the bowl games or in the bowl game they had. And, you know, this this team is a is a good team. And I think they they have should have a chance to prove it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it should definitely be an interesting couple of weeks in college football. It's going to be a fun final yeah. month of, of, of college football. Um, well, you know, OSU is going to be on upset alert for the next three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Oklahoma is going to be on on upset alert this coming week against Iowa State. I mean, there's it's a minefield coming up, and I got Cincinnati as being on upset yeah. alert against SMU this this coming oh, week. Oh, well, that game is going to be so fun. That yeah. game is going to be so much fun. I love Sonny Dykes, and I love that SMU offense with uh, Tanner Mordecai and and uh, was it Sonny Gray, the slot receiver, and Reggie Roberson. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that oh, game yeah. is going to be uh, a good time. Uh, all right, before we get into the wide receiver talk which is what we're doing today. We're talking about wide receivers and if the Buffalo Bills could possibly use some high-end draft capital, first or third-round pick on a, on a wide receiver. A couple of things to clean up over the last couple of weeks. One of our favorites on this podcast, Martin Emerson of Mississippi State, six foot one, 185. Um, you know, most uh, draft prognostication websites will tell you he's a finger quotes elite zone cornerback. He's had some trouble the last three weeks. Um, one of my favorite followers on Twitter, Merck, um, follows follow, college Follows college football very closely. Huge fan of Martin Emerson. He's been tracking them all season. Struggled versus Bama. Struggled versus Jamison Williams and John Mechie. He struggled versus Traylon Burks in Arkansas. And then last week against Ole Miss, against Bo Nix, he let up a touchdown uh, on, on, on sort of a deep ball. So Martin Emerson's been struggling the last couple of weeks. I recently mocked him to the Buffalo Bills with Trent McDuffie on the board. I went with traits over the more refined cornerback. But if Martin Everson strings together some more weeks like this, he could find himself slipping into the second or third round of the NFL draft. I know a lot of people usually have Martin Emerson going towards the back half of the first round or early into the second. Um, It'll be really interesting to see what happens with Martin Emerson. Um, The farther he falls, the happier I would be like getting him in the second round would be pretty nice. Uh, You know, because he's just, he's that, that ball of clay that, that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier can, can sort of work with. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's um, a little bit disappointing to see them have a couple of rough weeks, but again, you know, last year against Alabama, he locked him up. So mm-hmm. this year against Alabama, he has a bad game. You got to wonder, you know, what kind of differences are going on in the scheme and game plan to try and uh, by Alabama to try and get, get over that hump on his side. Because last year, like I said, he, he did, he allowed nothing. So interesting to see him, you know, the change from and, one year to another. And he's another guy too, where, once you get him at the senior bowl and he starts to like show what he's, what he's about, like at the senior bowl, it, I yeah. don't know if he's actually a senior, but you know, you know, he, he could go back to college, I guess. But um, once he gets to the NFL combine and you start to see what kind of athlete and his athletic profile and he tests well, a lot of times that blinds you from the tape and you like, are you like, Oh, but two years ago, the tape was really good just because he struggled last year. Like look at his athletic testing numbers and, and he'll just shoot right back up to where he was. So, um, it'll be and super also, interesting to see where he ends up falling. Yeah, I mean, also with him being his own corner, I mean, we don't know if there's some miscommunication on the coverages on those plays to where maybe he was supposed to stay with the guy when he passed him off or vice versa. So, 
you know, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he'll end up back kind of where he was originally projected, which is probably middle to end of round one, early round two at the latest. Yeah. Some other games uh, from the last couple of weeks that we haven't had a chance to touch on. Uh, Ole Miss Liberty battled the quarterbacks Malik Willis versus Matt Corral. Matt Corral comes out on top. My boy Jerry on Ely mm-hmm. showed up big in that game, showed up big the last couple of weeks with some big plays. Um, love that as a scat back option for the Buffalo Bills in the latter half of the draft. Malik Willis stock down and he's the guy who everyone's saying well he's the ball of clay if you're going to take one early take Malik Willis he looked like crap versus Ole Miss but most people I listen to say well you can't judge him after that game the offensive line was too bad Mm -hmm. he was just running around trying to make a play what were your thoughts on that quarterback duel out there in I believe that game was played in Virginia so out there in my my thoughts on that game is that he's going to hear about this game for the rest of his season for the rest of this whole draft process because I want to take you back to uh, 2018 pre-draft process and a certain guy who plays for the Bills now I can't his name oh, doesn't come up about Ma- the Iowa maybe game? it's him, Iowa game but he had a game against Oregon and Iowa <laughs> where it was ve- very similar to the performance that Malik Willis put up and everyone said oh let's see look when he plays real competition look what happens It's college, people. It's college. There's a huge talent disparity from Liberty to Ole Miss. One guy can't save you. And I think that's what we need to keep in in mind when it comes to things like this. Yes, on paper, it looks like Malik Willis completely shit the bed. What do you expect? And we even warned (laughs) you about this leading into this game, where Mm -hmm. if he just looks respectable, it's a win. Well, he didn't look respectable. It shouldn't be a surprise. That's my thoughts on it. (laughs) One hundred percent. And before we get into wide receivers, you want a little bit of a a little bit of a brag for your your Gamecocks, the true. Oh, oh well, I know that uh, <laughs> leading into this game, I didn't give us much of a chance, and uh, lo and behold, you know, Luke Doty not going to play. Zeb Nolan, the uh, grad transfer assistant, uh, couldn't play. So in comes FCS transfer Jason Brown, and all he does is proceed to plant his big right foot firmly up the ass of the Florida Gators and just absolutely pound them. My surprise victory of the season for the Gamecocks. Uh, We came up short yesterday against Mizzou, but we are one win away from bowl eligibility, which is something that I did not think was going to happen this year. So, uh, you know, good on Shane Beamer for kind of getting an early start on getting this program turnaround. Uh, I don't think Jason Brown is the future by any means, but it was a nice story for one week. And uh, hopefully we can get one more victory and get to a bowl game. Dan Mullen, his job is uh, on 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 the line. They gave up forty two points to Stanford or something in the first. Not Stanford. Oh, Stanford. 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 Yeah. The first, they came back. Emory Jones. Uh, Emory Jones had a bunch of touchdowns in that game. They came did, back in the second. Did you half, see but... how they celebrated Ooh. the comeback for that game? Uh, no, I did not. I did oh, not yeah, they were acting like they just won a national championship. <laughs> they thought they thought they were something special come, making that comeback. And it's like, dude, the fact that oh, you had to come back versus Samford. Again, we go back to talent disparity. They had no business being in that game, and you had to come back to win? Come on, man. Come on. I have not. I'm not going to lie to you. I have not watched a bunch of Florida games this year. Uh, mostly because um, it's just frustrating to watch them because you you can see the potential that they have on that roster. Uh, you know, t- Todd Grantham, their defensive coordinator, just fired. I, I really wonder 
what the ramifications on Kari Elam's draft stock is going to be. Um, and here with some, I haven't heard anyone talk about Kari Elam uh, on any of the various different draft podcasts, or I haven't read anything about him over the past couple of weeks. It'll be really interesting to see as the process continues and the season ends, what impact this sort of Florida downfall is going to have on Kari Elam's draft stock. And could he be a guy who slips into the twenties um, in this loaded cornerback class? So that should be something that's super interesting uh, and to keep an eye on. I mean, I saw a mock draft from one of the pro football network guys the other day that had Andrew Booth going before Kari Elam. Had Andrew Booth going number two to the Houston Texans. I thought that was crazy, but what? Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I, um, I'm trying to be a better person, so I didn't make a snarky comment. I didn't quote tweet. <laughs> I didn't do anything. I just, I read it. I, I gave the tweet. Uh, I, I gave the, the article link a like, and I moved on. <laughs> um, but uh, that one was super interesting. And if that is something that happens in the pre-draft process, I will be. Really surprised if Andrew Booth Jr. this year turns into the new Cleveland Farrell, but it, I wouldn't put anything past those Houston Texans. And uh, before before we get into wide receivers, I want to shout out one team that's been a lot of fun to watch. They've been putting up a lot of points, and they got a big game coming up this week against Clemson. And that's our boy, Sam Hartman, and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. They're still in contention for the ACC. They put up like 90-something points over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And they're a lot of fun to watch. They got a wide receiver out there. Um, I think it's what A.T. Perry, who's a mm-hmm. sophomore, so he's not eligible this year. Um, but he's a big guy. He's putting up a lot of a lot of numbers right mm-hmm. now. Corey Robinson uh, is moving himself into a middle round contention in the draft. Yeah, but they're they're just a fun team to watch with that extended mesh point on the uh, on the option there, yeah. the RTO, RPO, and and, um, and kudos to Dave Clawson, like just such a good dude. Like I, he had his origins in the MAC at Bowling Green, and he moved up. Uh, the ranks. I think he moved up even from Fordham before he got to Bowling Green. So kudos to Dave Glosson, who's just one of the, the better guys in college football. There's so many freaking egos in college football. There's so many, you know, just like over the top guys who are all about themselves. We had a nice little laugh at Brett Bielema a couple of weeks ago when he said it wasn't his fault. Illinois losing. He inherited a bunch of shitty players. <laughs> uh, Dave Clawson was the antithesis of that. He's exact opposite of that. He's just a great dude. So uh, kudos to him in the Wake Forest uh, Demon Deacons. I really hope that they can win out, beat Clemson, win out, and then maybe just maybe if everything falls right, like Alabama gets two losses, the Big Ten eats itself alive over the next three weeks. Maybe Cincinnati gets upset by SMU. Maybe it'll be Notre Dame, but maybe <laughs> Wake Forest <laughs> could slide in there. Well, um, they gotta get they gotta get past Pitt and Heisman Trophy favorite Kenny Pickett. That's gonna be such dude. Is Kenny Pickett gonna be a first round pick? No, no. Is Kenny Pickett gonna be a top I, ten pick? Is Kenny I, I said no. Pick? I said no last time we had this conversation. You can be a top ten pick. I, I, I first quarterback I, off the board. I think he might be moving. I think he's the he first quarterback be, off the board. He's QB one. I think he might be climbing. And I never thought I would say that leading into the season and even halfway through this season. I thought no way. But I mean, he's getting he's getting some serious uh, some serious press. Mel Kuyper is talking and, him up. And uh, one of the guys from Pro Football Network said he's he's going to test out of this world. Like he spent all last off season reworking his body and working with a like a a position quarterback coach, and they said his combine numbers, his athletic testing numbers are going to be ridiculously good. So I, Mike Renner mocked Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the late in the in the early twenties in one of his mock drafts a couple of weeks ago, and it blew my mind. I still can't stop thinking about like what a decent fit that would be for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pittsburgh community as a whole. But I don't even know if he's gonna be on the board for. Them. Oh. 
<laughs> they went to trade up to get him. So that's just crazy. And we'll, um, we'll have that's a just second, awesome. We'll I'd have a different picket conversation later on about how absolutely loaded the AFC is getting with with young quarterbacks. Yeah, it's, can, it's can the NFC draft some people for crying out loud. Yeah, for real. Can the <laughs> NFC get some get some young quarterbacks? Isn't stop taking all these guys to the AFC? Yeah, it's bad enough we got to deal with. with uh, yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, wide receivers. Are the Buffalo Bills going to draft a wide receiver relatively high in this upcoming NFL draft? Obviously, this is an NFL draft pos- uh, podcast. We talk about prospects. So let's focus on wide receivers today. The Buffalo Bills are definitely going to have Stefan Diggs back next year. Gabriel Davis will be back next year. Uh, Mar- Marquez Stevenson is like a wild card in the group. Uh, sitting on IR right now he'll be back next year you also have guys like Tanner Gentry and Isaiah Hodgins who if not under contract can easily be put back under contract then the rest of the wide receiver room is kind of murky Cole Beasley wrong side of 30 saved seven million dollars by cutting him my guess is the bills because of some other departures would likely restructure him and extend him bring that cap number down and keep him as their slot wide receiver but you never know um, a lot of things can happen between now and, um, you know, January, February. Emmanuel Sanders, UFA, Isaiah McKenzie, UFA, Jay Krumero, UFA. So the Buffalo Bills could be in for a major facelift at wide receiver this offseason. Where does wide receiver, Randy, land on your list of the Bills needs in 2022? And what percentage do you put on the Bills putting the Bills using a premium first to third round draft pick on a wide receiver this year? Okay, so as far as where it falls in the priority list, let's take a look at what the priorities are, first of all. We got guard, interior guard. defensive tackle. Guard, 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 and guard. And then interior defensive tackle is going to be another one with Star Latulale on the you know on the wrong side of 30 and at the end of his contract. And then you're talking about cornerback two, and then receiver is probably right there. So it could be anywhere from the fourth option to the second option, depending on how Brandon Bean prioritizes it. Um, and then you look at, well, which positions at wide receiver? Are we looking solely for slot guys? Or are we looking for somebody versatile that can go inside, out, outside? Um, there, I don't see a lot of slot guys in this draft group, mm-hmm. um, personally. I think there's a couple here and there. I would absolutely, obviously, you know this, I would love it if they would make a move to uh, try and pick off Shy Smith from the Panthers bring him in hey, as an understudy it, for Cole of all the things that could happen. That is very high up there because he is a Carolina Panther. So it's yeah. just, it's, it's possible, but there's not, there's not a whole lot of um, slot guys in this group. So we're looking mm-hmm. probably at outside, uh, which is fine because, you know, Gabe Davis can move inside and play a big slot role. And I know Hodgins is kind of on the outside looking in as far as roster going forward, but he can play that role as well. Isaiah McKenzie can always be re-signed as well, too. I mean, McKenzie he, can always be re-signed, he, too. He's, but I, he's the UFA, but it just because I don't, he's UFA doesn't mean he's not in the Bills' future plans. Yeah, I mean, they could always re-sign some of these guys, but I, I don't know if they view him as a full-time slot player. So, I think so, someone, said, said, someone said this to me, and I want your take on this. His role in the offense this year is decreased because of his report his importance as the only real return man on the roster. Absolutely. If the Buffalo Bills were to go out this offseason and maybe get like uh Ebner from from Baylor to be RB3 slash kick punt returner, and they have another kick punt returner on the roster, do you then possibly see a full-time role for Isaiah McKenzie as a slot receiver and as a possible successor to Cole Beasley? Possibly. I think another option would be, you know. What happens if they teach Marquez Stevenson to sure. do to do that role? 
You know, I mean, I know that he wasn't asked to do those type of routes at, at Houston. He was definitely an outside, you know, downfield vertical threat. But with that type of speed, I mean, if he can mm-hmm. work on his if he can work on his route tree and and develop those skills, I mean, you have an in-house option there. Not likely to happen, but it's mm-hmm. a possibility. Um, and- as far as the receivers in this class, yeah. You know, I mean, we've talked about Garrett Wilson a little bit and Chris Olave. Mm-hmm. I think David Ball, um, he, you know, he's a bigger guy. He's six foot two, um, mm-hmm. but he still kind of falls into that. I get Robert uh, possibility. Woods, I get Robert Woods vibes from from David Ball. I get Robert yeah. Woods vibes. Um, R- R.I.P. Uh, Bobby Trees, by the way. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> unfortunate. Um, but before we get into the specific wide receivers, I got one more question for you, and it's based on the comment you made earlier about not a lot of like inside outside versatile guys this in this draft class, like guys who can go in and out or whatever. The Buffalo Bills offense this year, and tell me if I'm wrong, it seems like everyone's got their role and they're in it. Like Sanders, Diggs on the boundary, Beasley in the slot, etc. There hasn't really been a lot of moving guys around, using guys like Stefan Diggs in the slot. Like maybe I'm just, as a casual observer, not an all-22 guy, maybe there are things that I'm missing. Is it, is it just me or is like, are the Buffalo Bills being really rigid with their receivers this year and they're not really moving guys around a lot? Yeah, I mean, we've it's been kind of a conversation in the last couple of weeks is that uh, they haven't been using as much motion and window dressing that they that they had previously. Um, and I'm not really sure what the what the reason is behind that if they uh, if they just don't want to give too much away this at this point in the season. Um, I, I know after the game last week, I felt like in hindsight, they clearly took them lightly and maybe going into the week, they just didn't. Um, anticipate having to do that much to to beat Jacksonville, which you know turned out to be wrong. So I think it's there. It's it's in the playbook, but they just haven't been doing it. And but I could I couldn't give you an answer as to why they haven't been doing it. Yeah. As for the actual specific wide receivers, these are the guys who I have as like the bona fide first rounders right now. And tell me if you think there's a name on this list that you think might be a bona fide first rounder, not like a first second round fringe guy. Um, that I'm leaving off the list. I got Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. I think they are both first-round locks at this point. I think a guy like Traylon Burks with those A.J. Brown vibes that he gives off, I think he is a bona fide first-rounder at this point. And despite the fact that he broke his ankle, I do think he'll get back, he'll get healthy, and a guy like Drake London will be a bona fide first-round pick. I have left some names off this list. These are the guys I think are the bona fide first-rounders. If one of those, do you do you have any names to add to that list of bona fide first rounders? No, I think that pretty much covers the guys that would be definite first rounders. And of that group, I'm really only only interested in the OSU guys, and probably mm-hmm. more specifically Wilson. So you're saying if Traylon Burks fell to the Buffalo Bills at six foot three, two twenty, inside outside flex, he still got some decent speed. He's getting those AJ Brown comparisons from a lot of people. If he was on the board, he would not interest you at say pick twenty eight to thirty two. If if he were to fall to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I how have much interest in London? But how much redundancy do you think there is between Burks and Gabe Davis? I I think Burks has got more speed than Gabe Davis. Like I I think that Burks is a more refined like like Gabriel Davis for for all of for, for everything that he's good at. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to um, be derogatory towards Gabriel Davis. Traylon Burks is a way better athlete, and he's way more fluid. Gabriel Davis is very stiff. Like he's a good receiver. He's a good receiver. Don't get me wrong. He 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 will play a role on this football team for a very long time. He'll probably never be the alpha, but he's pretty stiff. 
a guy like Draylon Burks, who's got more speed, he can beat guys over the top, both from the boundary and from the slot. I think there's a role for both of those guys here, and you can work off of both of them. And they create a mismatch nightmare because you have two big guys. And if you have to worry about two big guys, two bigger guys who both have decent speed, Burks has got legit speed. Gabriel Davis has got that sort of deceptive speed. You got to pick which one you're going to put your bigger bodied defensive back on because not a lot of teams have two big bodied defensive backs. Okay. I mean, and look, that's, that's a good argument to make. I would say let's go further on down the line. Instead of spending a first round pick on Burks, mm-hmm. what if you come back in the second or third and you take David Ball from Purdue, who has a 37 inch vertical at six foot two? Yeah, he's definitely an above the rim player. Like he is, he is a really good, he's physical. He had that one touchdown against Michigan State where he was just isoed on the corner. He did a nice little move. He got right past him and he scored a touchdown. I mean, it was just an absolute thing of beauty. Nasty. His, his route running, his physicalness, his aggressiveness, his 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 catch point, his catch mm-hmm. radius, um, his ability to to tiptoe and work the sidelines, uh, his body control. He is a very very good wide receiver, and he is a part of that second round list that I got here. Jahan Dotson from Penn State, he'll get some first round buzz. My question on Jahan Dotson is, do you want to spend a first rounder on a guy who's five foot ten, one eighty four? I don't know. Uh, that's the, that's the question that a lot of people are going to have to ask themselves. You got Jamison Williams, who I think will eventually work his way into the first round, but there's just so many wide receivers. Um, Jamison Williams uh, from Alabama. You got John Mechie from Alabama, and then you got David Ball. I think the sleeper in the second round at this point, right now, would be George Pickens from Georgia. I personally it was never that big of a fan. He's missed the entire season with an ACL. They think he might be back by the college football playoffs. So if this dude comes back into the college football playoffs, lights it up, um, decides he wants to not risk another injury in college ever again, declares for the draft, has a good pre-draft process, a guy like George Pickens could slip into the first or second round. So that's a super interesting one, but that's just one that I'm kind of leaving off. But I'll tell you what, man. I, I know that you love David Ball, and I love David Ball too. My infatuation right now is with Jamison Williams from Alabama. Like that dude just has my attention right now. Absolutely. Kick, yeah. kick return ability, that deep speed. Um, I just think he could do so much for this Buffalo Bills offense. John Mechie as well. He looks like he's bulked up a little bit. I, I, I don't know how I don't know how well you know John Mechie to the point where you watched him last year and you watched him this year. His body just looks different. I, I, have you noticed that at all? I mean, it seems like he's put on a little bit. I mean, he's definitely he was he's definitely a lean build guy to begin with. Um, but with those type of frames, I mean, if you get him on the right diet and everything, you can put on five to 10 mm-hmm. and have it just be good muscle as opposed to, you know, just empty, empty weight. Um, but no, I mean, Mechie is somebody to watch and also, you know, being a native Canadian, you know, I mean, he, he <laughs> could have, uh, he, he could have himself a, a good time up there in, in Buffalo. I know some of the other guys that I was interested in are going to mm-hmm. be middle to the end. Yeah. Um of the of the draft guys. Guys like um, you know, Justin Ross. And, and again, I'm not a Clemson guy, but walking, I can see the potential. Walking boot, walking boot after yesterday. I know. I know. Injury again. again. Dante Demas, Maryland, Ooh, same thing. Dante, if Dante's sitting there in like the fifth round, you gotta pull the trigger, right? You got yeah, like, right. I, I know that like the, the medical staff has to do their job and he's probably gonna have to redshirt a year, but who if you could get him in the fifth or sixth round, mm-hmm. that that would be a really nice red shirt right there. And Dante Demas, and he, talking about know, some he, other, he doesn't have to red shirt. I doubt it. I, I mean, I. It's I been a while since that injury, so it's been a couple weeks. So I mean, he might be on pretty, his way back. Yeah, and it was I mean, it was pretty brutal. Did we ever get? Did there was there ever a final call on what that actual injury was? I haven't looked it up. No. Okay. I, I mean, it was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> um, a couple other guys to keep 
kind of yeah. in, on your mind. Um, Charleston Rambo, Miami. Yep. Wendell Robinson, Kentucky. Ooh. Is he this year's? Is he this year's Elijah Moore? Maybe he might be. I know he's smaller. Um, like, don't get me wrong; he's not as thickly built as Elijah Moore, but right. gadget type of you know slot with that's, a little bit of boundary flex. That's one to keep an eye on for us um, in those middle rounds. And then the other one that I had highlighted was try, uh, Ty Fryfogel, your guy from Indiana. Mm-hmm. So those are that was kind of my group of middle round prospects to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I got, I got a pretty decent list here. Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama is getting a ton of love from people at 62190. PFF's got him in their top 100. I really like Romeo Dubs from Nevada. He gives you kick, punt, return, yep. flex, really good size there. It's fun to watch him and Cole Turner and Carson Strong there at Nevada. Khalil Shaker from Boise State is getting a lot of love from a lot of people. Um, Tavion Robinson from Virginia Tech, 5'10, 185, kind of some Lee Evans vibes. He's averaging 19 and a half yards per catch there without really a quarterback at Virginia Tech. So, um, Eric Izuk, Izuk, Izukanam, Izukanama, uh, <laughs> from Texas Tech, you know me and pronouncing names, six foot three, 220, and he's a three level player. Like, he, he's got size to go, size and athleticism to go with that, or I'm sorry speed and athleticism to go with that frame 63220 so eric izukanma from texas tech tony pauline mentioned him he's rising up uh draft boards alec pierce who he mentioned from cincinnati he's a little stiff but at 62 uh 200 plus pounds and he can get down the football field for Cincinnati. I, I Someone compared him to Donovan Peoples-Jones because they don't love him as a route runner, but he's so physically gifted that he's going to have success in the National Football League if you just put him out there in the slot and ask him to run a straight line. <laughs> like He's going to do things to the defense, um, and he's going to make plays down the football field. And you've seen that with Donovan Peoples-Jones. He might not be the best receiver in the league, but there are some days where him and Baker are just connecting, and, and he makes some big plays down the football field for the Cleveland Browns. My favorite wide receiver in this draft. As you can hear, my paper is shaking because I go on my second page here. Jalen Robinson from UCF. He's a smaller guy, five foot nine, 180, 180 pounds, but he's got kick, punt, return, flex, and he tracks the ball really well down the field. Like he's got inside, outside flex, and I think he could be a threat in the passing game as well as a kick and punt returner. I really, really like um, Jalen Robinson from UCF. He's rising. Tony Pauline has him as a day two pick. Like he has him as a projected third rounder. Um, and this is a guy who w- isn't even on TDN's board right now. Like you can't do a mock draft simulation on TDN and get yourself a Jalon Robinson. Um, yeah, and there's your guys, Avery Hutchinson too. Yeah. From Iowa State. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of smaller guys like Zay Flowers from Boston College, smaller guy. Yeah. He's got some inside outside flex at five foot 10, 185. Uh, Anaya Smith from Texas AM, sort of a gadget guy. Can play slot, can play running back, can kick, can punt return. Kelvin Austin from Men- Memphis has got that punt return gadget ability, but only 5'9 and 162. Um, you know, who knows what you're going to get with him at the NFL level. And then here's a name. And again, this was one that was brought to my attention by Kendall Mursky, um, who, you know, noticed that uh, some Buffalo Bills personnel were looking at this guy when Utah State played Colorado State and Kendall was in um, the scouting box. With the said Buffalo Bills personnel, he was recently mentioned on the tailgate podcast with Austin Gale and Mike Renner. That's Devin Tompkins from U- Utah State, five foot eight, 155 pounds, but he's an above the rim player at five foot eight, 155. Apparently, he's got a vertical so good he could stick his elbow through a basketball hoop when dunking. That is the type of vertical that a guy like Devin Tompkins 
at 5'8", 155 has, and he's also just a, a playmaker. He is the, he is going to be this year's Jalen Darden. Hmm. So, yeah, keep an eye out for, for Devin Tompkins. All right. Anything else on wide receivers before we close things out with a, a, a preview of the week that will be in college football? Because there are some doozies on this. Uh, there are some doozies. Yeah, no, we can get we can get into the this coming up week because yeah, it's gonna be it should be a fun week um at this point in the season. So we can get into that. All right, let's start in the noon hour and let me pull up uh my uh scoreboard here for all the games to look forward to next week. In the noon hour, big noon kickoff on Fox. It's the game of the week, in my opinion, and it's Ohio State versus Michigan State. You got the two receivers we just mentioned in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. You got some defenders on the Ohio State team that you're obviously going to want to keep an eye on. And then for Michigan State, you got Kenneth Walker, and you also have um, Jalen Narden, the receiver that we're talking about. So a lot of different prospects to keep an eye on. It's just going to be an all-around probably fun game that could decide the college football playoff for both of these teams. Yeah, that's uh, that's the game of the week. Go Sparty. Um, the other one, the big noon game, doesn't mean well. I'm not going to say it doesn't mean a whole lot because it does mean a lot. They're just not necessarily uh, highly ranked teams. The ACC showdown, Wake Forest, Clemson, mm-hmm. um, should, Wake, should be a good one. That's Wake Forest. Like like I said, <laughs> Wake Forest can hang around. And and watching Sam Hartman and watching some of those wide receivers going up against that Clemson defense, like that, that's going to be super interesting. Um, super interesting to watch. I just mocked Sam Hartman to the Buffalo Bills. You look at the Buffalo Bills depth chart. Mitch Trubisky's gone under this year. Yeah, you have. You have Josh Allen, you have Jake Fromm, and you have Davis Webb. Like those are gonna be the quarterbacks on the Buffalo Bills team. So there, there, there might not be any standout like bona fide alpha first round pick quarterbacks in this draft class, but there sure are a ton of them. Like there are so many. Like we haven't even gotten into the depths of like the Mac quarterbacks that I like, like, uh, um, like Blive from um, Ball State and Dustin Crum. Uh, from Kent State, like some some sleeper quarterbacks, we haven't even gotten there yet. Like there's just a there's so many quarterbacks in this class, and if one drops into the middle late rounds, and the Buffalo Bills like them, you could see another Jake Fromm at this point, where the Buffalo Bills pull the trigger on a guy. Yeah, I mean, you saw in the mock that I posted today, um, I had us taking your boy, your favorite quarterback in this class, Bo Nix. Oh come on, did you, I didn't, I did not notice that. <laughs> How dare as an athlete or as a quarterback? As a quarterback. Oh, my God. Here's the quarterback that I would like. Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. I think he gives me some Tyrod Taylor vibes. He was on the he was on the board right ahead of Knicks, and I took Knicks just to mess with you. you. (laughs) Uh, uh, Play play for Chip Kelly for for two years. He's put up decent numbers in college. They're kind of almost identical to Tyrod, to be honest with you. He's a little on the shorter side, six foot one, 195, but he just screams to me as a guy who can come into the football game game and move the ball like not embarrass himself and use his legs to make plays so i really like dorian thompson robinson as possible backup quarterback i think he's the quarterback that's being slept on in this class to be honest with you um not not and i guess he's not being slept on because he doesn't have i don't think he has future starting quarterback potential but i think he's being slept on because i think that there's value in taking guys like that in the fifth or sixth round and right now most people aren't talking about him until seventh round udfa and i'm all for that uh if the buffalo bills can get their hands on a guy like dorian thompson robinson we're going to get to that game in a little bit too later on in the window because they're taking on usc this week um all right uh looking at some other games possibly iowa state oklahoma it'll just be interesting to see how oklahoma responds it'll be interesting to see guys like 
Brees Hall, Xavier Hutchinson, Charlie yeah. Kohler. I mean, every week is a fun week to watch Ohio State, or I'm sorry, Iowa State. Um, and then scrolling through some of these other games here. The Cincy next and week, SMU. Cincy and SMU who had my attention. That I mean, that one's just like I said. Um, I don't know if Ford, the running back, is going to play dealing with an injury, but you got Josh Wiley, the tight end. Um, that's super interesting. You have um, Alec Pierce, the wide receiver. You obviously have Desmond Ritter, and then that SMU offense with guys like Tanner Mordecai, and then the two receivers, yep. Reggie Roberson and Sonny Gray. Um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley came out of that SMU program. Sonny Dykes is a pretty cool coach. So, um, and what did you say? Super uh, exciting. What did Dean Kindig say about some Bill Scouts being at the Cincinnati game recently? Um, uh, was it the the Wiley joke he made about how he's tall for his size or something? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, that one was yeah, and the, and the Bills the Bills have scouted Cincinnati twice this year. Um, yeah. I guess is they're probably looking at the sauce. Uh, Kobe Bryant's another good player though. That other corner that they have there, slot corner though. Uh, Arkansas at Alabama at uh, three thirty. Super interesting game. Uh, obviously, you have. Does uh, Arkansas guys, have a chance? Do they have a shot? Any given, any given Saturday, right? I guess that's really not a phrase that people use, but <laughs> I think that. Uh, I mean, LSU took Alabama to the wire with a bunch of backups and scrubs, and you know they weren't playing for Coach Ed O. So, um, you know, I think Alabama has the recipe to be defeated. Um, hey, if you're in the mood at uh, at three uh, thirty as well. Maybe it's time that we watch a UTSA game. 10-0 UTSA <laughs> versus 7-3, 7-3 UAB. Get some get some woolen, uh, get some woolen watch in. The 604-215, Bruce Feldman, top 10 freak list uh track athlete, cornerback. Uh, that game was on ESPN Plus. Um, scrolling through the final games here. Uh Baylor, Kansas State. That's gonna be a real gritty one on Fox Sports one at uh at 3:30. And then uh you know, I, I know you're going to be a big fan of the Auburn South Carolina game at seven. Yeah, that um, that should be a good one for McCreary, um, mm-hmm. the Auburn corner. Also, um, Kinsley Inigbare, the 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 edge uh, from South Carolina, um, be one to watch there. I I honestly don't know what's happened to Kevin Harris, the South Carolina running back this year, who led the SEC in yards last year, and from the best I can tell, must have. Uh, must have plowed one of the coach's daughters because he has been <laughs> squarely on the bench and not being utilized a lot this year. So I don't know what hey, happened there. Going back to the new or going back to the noon hour, not that anyone wants to watch Penn State Rutgers, but that's an interesting matchup in Jahan Donson versus possibly a uh Avery Young, maybe getting matched up onto him. Um later on in the afternoon, as we scroll into the evening time, Utah State, Wyoming. Uh, that's a super interesting thing that, um, that's a super interesting game that could, uh, you know, Wyoming's got a really good defense with guys like Chad Muma. And I just mentioned Devin Tompkins. So -hmm. that's something that's super interesting. And then as we get into the late window, they haven't announced an actual time for many of these games, but SMU Cincy, that time and channel has not been released yet. USC, UCLA. Um, Dorian Thompson um, Robinson, as I mentioned, Greg Dulcich, Sean Ryan, the left tackle is going to kick inside to guard in the pros. That's a super interesting game. Oregon, Utah is another really interesting game. Mikael Wright, uh, that Oregon defense. Yeah, Utah, I, I had Devin Oregon, Roy, Utah really good defense. Yeah. Um, and then that's about it for there. So there's even some good evening games this week. I haven't been a big fan of the evening games. All the noon games have been the big ones for the last couple of weeks, and there still are some big i mean the big games still are at noon but at least there's more like 
there's at least some palatable evening <laughs> games, which I think has been lacking the last couple of weeks in college football. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think this week sets up for a, a nice, it's a nice day where you can kind of flip between two games at each window, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of my preference. I don't like it when all the games are stacked at noon where I got to switch back and forth or, you know, try and try and make my own, uh, you know, red zone channel where I'm flipping between four games that are all going at the same time. You know, this slate is like, you know, two at noon, two at three thirty, two at seven. Like it works mm-hmm. out pretty nice. Yeah, should be interesting. So it's been a lot of fun, Brandy, and uh, we will be back next week, every Sunday, talking Buffalo Bills draft prospects. I don't know. We're probably just going to have to go back into another position group at this point because we've, we've hit the big ones. Maybe we focus on some tight ends next week and talk about maybe working in some more 12 personnel with a guy like Dawson Knox. You also have Dawson Knox contract coming up. So maybe some tight ends is what we focus on next week. That sounds good to me. There's uh, a lot to there's a lot to chew through on that one. Lot so to, yeah, a lot to digest there. All right. So until next time, uh, go Bills. Go Bills.